Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Hangout in the Holy Land, Land Grant Holy Land's flagship podcast. I am your host, Gene Ross, joined, as always, by Josh Dooley. We are back for you on this fine Sunday evening to recap what was a rousing Ohio State win on Saturday night, a 77-21 victory for the Buckeyes. Ryan Day finally covered a spread, so shout out to him. Um, and Josh, we have we have a lot to talk about in this game. We we're kind of talking before the podcast. You know, the Arkansas State game, they won big, but you know, there was it was kind of a you know they they showed up, they did what they needed to do, and, and they went along with their business. This game really looked like they came out with something to prove, and and it seems like they they maybe learned a bit from last week where a lot of teams got upset and whatnot. Um, they came out firing, and they, they looked really good, and they were focused on a, on a night game against Toledo. I think you hit on it last week, and we talked about it on the preview podcast too. Like, I think they were dialed in for this one because they saw the upsets they were like hey Toledo hasn't played the greatest strength of schedule by any means but they're scoring 50 points a game they're only giving up five so they came out sharp Uh, maybe not so much on the defense which I know we'll get to but yeah this was a fun game to watch and not just because Ohio State scored 77 points I think we also got to see a lot on the defense good or bad so uh, a bunch of different topics to cover, and I'm ready to get into it. Yeah, a bunch of very interesting stat lines in this game. A lot, a lot of fun stuff to talk about. A lot of guys, you know, showing up that we maybe not have expected to do big things this year, making big plays for the Buckeyes even before garbage time is happening. So, you know, as as a team that scored 77 points, I guess it makes the most sense to start on the offensive side of the ball. Um, my, one of my biggest takeaways on offense here was just how good C.J. Stroud was in this game. He was locked in. Um, you know, he had Surgical. a lot of help, a lot of help from that offensive line who had it gave him a ton of time in the pocket on, on a lot of plays in this game. But Stroud, when he was throwing the ball, man, it was on the money. Um, pretty much every throw was exactly where it needed to be, where only his receiver could get it. Finished the game 22 of 27, 367 yards, five touchdowns, no picks. Um, just just an excellent effort from C.J. Stroud and, and the starting offense as a whole. You know, we were talking before the podcast, Ohio State's offense pretty much looked as good as you could ask. They scored touchdowns on their first seven drives of the game, um, and, and they just they were dominant. I mean, this isn't, you know, Toledo's not a, a world beater out here, but this is a team that played pretty good defense in their first two games of the year, granted against much more inferior opponents. But nonetheless, this is a defense that, that knows what they're doing, and Ohio State just picked them apart all the way down the field, up and down. And it was a different look from Ohio State's offense than we've seen the first couple of games. You know, we were talking last week about how Ohio State really only seemed to be scoring on the big chunk plays. This was a very different game. They still had those chunk plays, but Ohio State was able to put together sustained drives. They had a good healthy, you know, pass rush balance. And I think overall, like this, this was a well-oiled machine for Ohio State. And this is kind of what we expected this offense to look like. And it, this was about the best you could be, especially in the first half. And when the stars were in this, this offense was very impressive. Yeah. A bunch of takeaways here. As far as CJ Stroud is concerned, not that he needed it, but I think this is the most confident that he looked in a game yet this year, you know, um, just standing in the pocket. And then when he got moved off his spot, uh, he kind of went out, he took his time, he waited for guys to get open, and he just kind of knew where he wanted to go with the ball. <clears throat> Down in the red zone, he was great. He found guys, uh, you know, back of the end zone, side of the end zone, everywhere he really needed to and wanted to. I think the only, it, it wasn't a poor throw, but the only kind of misfire he had was to JSN on, on the kind of back shoulder throw there in the end zone. But yeah, he did, he looked great. He seemed like, I think overall these first couple of games allowed him to develop greater chemistry with Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Ibuka, and that shows, especially when he's targeting those guys, it's ball out, and now they know what to expect. We That wasn't necessarily the case, especially with Marvin Harrison, 
week one, week two, we saw some kind of miscommunications there, but he is definitely on the same page with both of those guys now. Ekbuka just so great with the ball in his hands, get it to him in the middle of the field, on the sweep, the reverse, whatever you want to call it, where he scored his rushing touchdown. And that was without JSN. I think you and I can probably both agree he went out to get some reps, and then they called it a day. I, I didn't see him play mid-second quarter on, and I don't know if you can correct me on that one, but he came out of the game no worse for the wear. Julian Fleming added a couple of touchdowns. I want to talk about that in greater depth. Um, you know, just awesome for him. And then how about Cade Stover? He at this point and he wears a lot of like braces and stuff like that he's not gronk but he looks like a massive dude out there with all the equipment that he's wearing and now he had uh the like the long wheel route the catch on the sideline which was beautiful i didn't know he had that in him but they've got a hundred different pass catching options now which is just going to be great for them further down the road as they play better and better defenses but i also want to give a big shout out to the offensive line look Toledo didn't have the horses up front, but to, to go up against uh, an, an Ohio State offensive line that is this big, but they've got some really good players. Jamal Hines is a good player. Um, the one Johnson kid up front is a good player, and they weren't able to do anything. They were held at bay. I thought Paris Johnson Jr. looked great. The interior continues to look really good, and so I, I can really take – Nothing away from last night's performance on the offense. Everyone was hitting on all cylinders. Maybe some concern about Travion Henderson, but other than that, you'd have to give it like a nine and nine point nine out of ten, right? Yeah, for sure. And I wanted to, you know, go into some of those the supporting cast for CJ Stroud in this game, starting with that receiver core, like you mentioned. Um, three different receivers in this game finished with over 100 yards. Emeka Ibuka had seven catches for 116 yards and a touchdown. Martin Harrison Jr., another big day, six catches, 102 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, and then later on in the game, Jaden Ballard with four catches for 113 yards and a touchdown. We're going to talk about him more a little bit later when oh, we talk about some of, the, fast, some of the back. Yeah, he looked really good. We'll talk about him when we talk about some of the backups coming in later on. But yeah, you mentioned Cade Stover, three catches for 83 yards in this game. Some legitimately very impressive catches from him. Like you said, didn't yes. know he had it in him. We he kind of just thought he was, you know, an extra body in that room because Ohio State's light on tight ends. But so far this season, you know, C.J. Stroud is not afraid to throw the ball his way, and he made some really impressive catches in this game. So I'm really liking what I'm seeing from Stover at that tight end position. We knew he would bring it as a blocker, as a guy who's played on both sides of the ball. We knew he had that in him, that that kind of strength and, and stuff needed to be a good blocker on the run game. But he's been a legitimate pass-catching option, and we love to see that in this offense. It just adds another dynamic to all this crazy amount of receiver talent they have. But yeah, I thought overall... These guys looked really good. You know, like you said, JSN really only played uh, for like half of the first half. I think that was more just to get him up to speed in the game, get him some reps, you know, heading into the Wisconsin game. Um, so that's he didn't really need much more than that. He looked good in his two catches for 33 yards. Nothing more to say there. And then, yeah, your guy, Julian Fleming, three catches, 23 yards, and two touchdowns in his season debut. He looked good as well. You know, he, he caught a nice pass. All he does is pass. catch touchdowns. Yeah, it's all you need to do, really. You know, he caught a nice pass over the middle, made a guy miss, and, and made his way into the end zone, caught a pass in the back of the end zone. So made made some nice catches himself. Seemed like pretty much every receiver on this team made at least one highlight-worthy catch um, at some point in this game. And like I said, you know, C.J. Stroud was just throwing dimes out there. A lot of times he was, you know, rolling out, hitting guys in the corner of the end zone. Just some really impressive stuff from from Stroud himself and as well as all these receivers. So 
I think there's a lot to like about this receiving game. We had some questions, you know, after the Notre Dame game about, you know, can these guys step up in the absence of Olave and Wilson? You know, are guys like Emeka Buka and Marvin Harrison Jr. ready to be, you know, number one and number two guys? And I think that those questions have been answered with a resounding yes after these last two weeks. You know, Marvin Harrison Jr. looks like a future, you know, top five NFL draft pick through these first couple weeks. Emeka Buka has been a great catch and run guy, something else we were looking for from one of these other guys. You know, we know JSN is going to be JSN, and then you throw in guys like, you know, Julian Fleming or even a Jaden Ballard and Cade Stover into this mix. And you have one of the most, you know, ridiculously deep receiving cores in the country. Not that, you know, Ohio State needed even more depth, but it seems like pretty much every guy that we've talked about here is capable of making a big play whenever you need him to. We've even seen, you know, the walk-ons, a former walk-on, Xavier Johnson makes some big plays. So there's just a ton of guys in this room for CJ Stroud to go to. And when you have a quarterback that's this good and able to use his weapons, he's not just targeting one guy, you know, he's, he's really spreading the ball around the field. Um, it's going to make your offense that much easier. So I think, you know, Nothing but positives to take away from from this Ohio State passing game. And I want to hit you with a couple questions. We didn't talk about this before the podcast. Um, I'll, I'll start with this. Some of it is going to be come naturally with experience and exposure and this, that, and the other. But now that we have seen what Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Ibuka can do, <clears throat> we know what JSN can do, even saw Jaden Ballard. Do you think that this group is more explosive in totality than the group we saw last year with Olave and Wilson. I don't know if they're more explosive because I just think, you know, Garrett Wilson especially was just a really special talent. But I do think that this room is deeper than the room was last year. And I know that these same guys were here last year, but Ohio State didn't use that many guys last year. We, you could see the stats. You know, they really only threw to Olave, Wilson, and JSN. This year they have already, you know, a bunch of different guys catching touchdown passes to start the year. And, and some of that has been out of necessity with injuries and whatnot. But I think it's good to have this many guys that you're proving you could count on early in the year. You're not just having, you know, it's not just a Buka Harrison and JSN like we expected it to be. You're throwing guys like like Ballard and now Julian Fleming and Cade Stover in the mix. They, uh, they David Johnson, all these guys, you're giving yourself options. And I think that's really important, especially, you know, if a guy is banged up here and there, plus it just gives you the ability to rotate guys in and out, keep guys fresh. The other team has to game plan for all these different receivers Ohio State's throwing on the field. So I don't know if they're more explosive. I think we're going to have to wait and see, you know, as the season plays along, how they look over the course of a full season. But so far, I think that the depth of this room is probably superior than it was last year because of all the guys that are getting reps early on. And that's fair. You know, I I don't have a predetermined answer for these. I'm kind of asking for fun, but I'll hit you with the second one and it, it might be a little bit more difficult or like controversial of a question. I don't know. Like I said, I'm just asking these for fun, but is Marvin Harrison Jr. The best wide receiver on this team? I, I still think by season's end, we'll be saying it about Jackson Smith and Jigba. I think he's, you know, from what we saw last year, he's just too good. Uh, but, but Marvin Harrison Jr. is certainly making a case to be one B to, to JSN's one a, he has done pretty much everything on, on this this you know these first three games he's caught the deep ball he's caught these short intermediate routes he's gone up and getting it he's you know he's making these these ridiculous circus catches he's bossing dudes um he is you know we we saw the pictures of him in the offseason what he looked like athletically we've, we've heard the hype about him and he has done nothing but live up to the hype he's got you know however many touchdowns already on the season 
multiple hundred yard games, um, he looks like a, a stud out there. You know, this is a guy that if he continues to play this way is going to be another first round wide receiver for Ohio State. He's a guy that, you know, Brian Hartline obviously wanted to get very highly and, and he got him and he's he's here now making big plays. And I think we'll have a lot of, of high high praise for Marvin Harrison Jr. as the season ends. I'm not ready to give him the top spot over JSN just yet, just because we'll have to see it over the course of a full season. But I mean, if he continues to play like this, I think he, he will be in that top role. I think JSN is still, you know, the, the most proven commodity on this team, but I, you know, there's nothing, no shortcoming so far from Marvin Harrison Jr. thus far this season. And and I think I agree with you there. I think it's more of a, or will eventually be more of a 1A, 1B situation based on what we saw last year, 95 catches, 1600 yards going off in the Rose Bowl. Uh, you know, JSN has to have that spot or he uh, deserves that as of right now until we get him fully healthy and see what he can do in four quarters in a big game and things like that. But I kind of look at it like my team, my NFL team is the Cincinnati Bengals, right? And they have Jamar Chase and T Higgins and it's not an apples for apples comparison, but it's like everyone talks about Jamar Chase, but then you've got this big physical kind of freak guy on the other side. That's sort of Marvin Harrison Jr., right? He's much bigger. I would say he's more physical and can just do some different things. So regardless, whether you call him 1A, 1B, swap him around, it's a great situation to be in and a great uh, set of options to have there for Ohio State. But I know you wanted to hit on the running game a little bit, too. So if we kind of throw it back there, what do you see from the running backs? And what's your sort of level of concern with Travion Henderson and things like that moving forward? Yeah, Josh, before we get to the running backs, I want to I hit you with a quick question on the wide receivers, okay, especially as, as a Julian Fleming guy. You now have in this Ohio State room four legitimate, you know, starting options in, you know, a healthy JSN, Ibuka, Harrison, and Fleming. Who, you know, of those four guys, you know, we you know Ohio State most of the time runs out there with three wide receivers and a tight end. Do you think that we will see um, more of Fleming as he continues to get healthy and maybe overtake one of those guys in Ibuka Harrison? Or have those two guys done enough where the, you know, the starters are going to be JSN, Ibuka, and Harrison, and you'll see Fleming get in there? You know, we know Ohio State likes to rotate out there, but do you think, what do you think the starting rotation is going to look like for these guys? Do you think he's going to split touches with a guy like Harrison and Ibuka, or has he kind of, you know, by way of, of injury and whatnot, has he fallen behind the pack a little bit? Or do you think he'll work his way back on the mix quickly? Because we saw what he could do in the first game. You know, he caught two touchdowns in his debut. So what do you think? of the rotation at wide receiver moving forward gosh that's real that's a really difficult question gene and i love julian fleming he i've been standing for this guy for three years i think it might be situational to be completely honest with you and maybe that's hedging my bets and giving you a non-answer but we saw a little bit of it last night and, and i was really watching him specifically he's a physical wide receiver and you can attest to the fact he probably looks like he's 6'2 230 at this point like he's rocked up and so I think depending upon the matchup and maybe it's later in the year if you want a guy out there who's a better blocker if you have to have a guy out there who's a better blocker I think that's Julian Fleming and all of these guys have a, a great set of hands Julian Fleming also has that too I just I think he's more of a possession guy and if you want the players out there that can do more with the ball in their hands at least right now a guy like Ekmeka Ekbuka is going to you know he's going to be ranked above Julian Fleming that's just the way it is but if you need a steady set of hands a guy who's going to do more underneath maybe be asked to block more 
then I think maybe you see more JS or uh, I'm sorry, Julian Fleming. So right now I think he's fourth and I think we will see a lot of him, but I only think he becomes a starter. If one of those other guys goes down, doesn't play well, or again, like maybe you get in a, a snow game with Iowa or, or something like that. And you need somebody who's physical, who can block downfield, this, that, and the other. But no, I think he's number four right now, but I think that, is okay. I think he'll still produce and we'll see some good things from him. Yeah. What about I think, you? I, I think he's going to be a very valuable asset, especially down towards the red zone, because like you said, he is that, that big physical guy. He could both help you in a blocking situation if you got to get the running back in on short yardage, but he also is a great possession guy, like you said. So hitting him and, you know, on the side of the end zone or over the middle when you need a, a, a like more of a, he's more of a KJ Hill style of wide receiver than, than an Olave or Wilson, that guy that's going to give you those, Almost. Yeah, I can yeah, see that. those possession catches. Obviously he's much bigger than KJ Hill and probably not as fast, but he is that possession receiver that Ohio State likes to have in those situations kind of over the middle and even outside as well. So versatile guy, I think he'll definitely get his touches. They're going to rotate those four guys and look to keep them fresh. So I think we will see, even if he's not a starter, I think we will see a lot of Julian Fleming this season moving forward as he is healthy. But yeah, like you said, moving on to the running game, um, it, I'm sure everyone on their bingo cards had Dallin Hayden being Ohio State's first 100-yard rusher of the season. <laughs> but that that is the, the realistic thing that happened last night because like you talked on earlier, uh, Trayvon Henderson had four carries for 19 yards and a touchdown. Then he came out of the game with an apparent uh, leg or foot injury. Uh, walked off with the trainer, came back, was on the sideline in his full pads the rest of the game, but it seemed like they were kind of keeping him out for precautionary reasons. We don't know how severe that injury is, but they don't really sound all that concerned about it. But nonetheless, it was, you know, the Mayan Williams show, at least from the starters from there on out, 10 carries for 77 yards, another good performance from him. But then it was all Dallin Hayden for really the remainder of the game until the very end, uh, finished with 17 carries for 108 yards and a touchdown. He had that long 45-yard run, and, you know, he looked really good out there. He had a good burst. He caught a pass or two. Um, he, he looked decent out there. So I was I was impressed with what I saw from, from Dallin Hayden, uh, you know, even running with the ones for the most part. I thought he looked really good out there. He looked comfortable running the football. Uh, he he picked the, you know, he didn't miss holes. He, he looked good. I, I really liked what I saw from Hayden, and it just gives, you know, even more depth to this Ohio State running back room, which we said coming into the season was going to be a little thin without Evan Pryor. But it looks like Dallin Hayden is a, is a strong third option here, and he, he's going to be a guy that's going to, you know, maybe get some more snaps moving forward with how he looked. I thought that he got what was blocked. I think he made a couple of guys miss. He looked explosive on his long run. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, he looked like a guy you'd love to have as your number two. Or possibly, you know, some of these lower level teams would say, hey, give us Dallin Hayden as our starter. I'm talking about for Ohio State. I'd be happy if he was the number two back. And right now, if you're leaning on him as a third or occasionally putting him in there as your backup, if you want to give Travion Henderson or if he needs a week off or something like that. But, yeah, I thought he looked really good. I think he sort of made people question if there was anything wrong with Mayan Williams, but no, I believe he was just out to kind of save him and rest him for the Big Ten schedule and things like that. But um, they have a good trio, it seems like. I don't know the order of that trio. If you are picking up what I'm putting down, and maybe you can kind of jump in on that, but they have at least a three-headed monster. I'm going to put Hayden a little bit lower, and you know, it was against Toledo, so let's pump the brakes a little bit. But I did think that he looked like he could be a a piece of the puzzle moving forward, and that's what we didn't know. Yeah, we're you know there the injury situation with Trayvon Henderson is a little concerning because it seemed like you know pretty much every game last year he was coming out at some point or another with some minor injury, and and that's still kind of been the case again this year. We haven't really seen a big 
breakout performance from him yet. I'm still waiting for them to get him going, you know, in the passing game as well, because we've seen what he could do with the ball in his hands in space. But, you know, to this point, Mayan Williams has really been uh, this team's top running back, whether by necessity or just, you know, but by the, you know, game script of what has gone on. He is their their true power back. He's been the guy that that's been in, you know, in red zone opportunities. He's been, he was on that long, you know, power drive against Notre Dame at the end of the game. So he's really been, you know, because Henderson's injury issues, he's really been their number one running back right now. And, you know, this is a guy that I was very high on for the past couple of years. And I think he's showing everybody what he is capable of doing when given the opportunity. And I think that, you know, Ohio State obviously wants Trayvon Henderson out there. He is, you know, the five-star athlete. He's everything he's cracked up to be as that that style of prospect. But I think, you know, Mayan Williams has really made a name for himself this season. I think you are going to see really a true split in carries between Williams and Henderson when yeah. both are healthy. So I don't I don't really think it's, you know, Trayvon Henderson and then Williams is the backup. I think as at this point, they're they're truly 1A and 1B. And I don't, you know, you could flip those two on, on any given day, um, you know, depending on health. And that's kind of what I was getting to is I... I I don't know if there's a pecking order at this point. I, I believe that we'll see Travion Henderson start games, but hell, he may not even make it through one drive, not not due to injury or anything like that, but he may get the ceremonial start is sort of what I'm getting at, and they might lean on Mayan Williams any given game, any given week, because he's proven to be consistent. He's proven to be pretty durable. He's physical as all get out, and so... You're right. I think it's a 1A, 1B situation, but I don't know the order. I don't know that Ohio State coaches know the order at this point, and that's not a knock on anybody. Trayvon Henderson plays a physical position. You know, the every single play a running back gets hit unless they score a touchdown or run out of bounds, right? It's not totally like a quarterback or a wide receiver or anything like that. Quarterbacks or running backs by nature take hits on just about every single play, and he's been banged up. I don't think he is – I think he's a tough guy. I think he plays through what he can, but last night early in the game against Toledo, a team you know you should beat, I don't think that they wanted to risk it. But you're right. The durability concerns are at least there. They've got to be in the back of your mind, but at least now it looks like there are some viable options to back him up. We already knew that about Mayan Williams, but if called upon, like I said, I think Dallin Hayden can at least be a part of the puzzle. And that's, that's a really good thing because if you're like me and Gene, I know we talked about it a little bit, like kind of during the summer, I was concerned when Evan Pryor went down, especially because I thought he would add like this, cool new element to the the offense and catch a lot of passes. And he looked great in the spring game, this, that, and the other. When he went down, I was like, yeah, I don't know. But I feel better about the position, a heck of a lot better about the position than I did back then. Yeah, and I know we were saving a lot of the backup talk for later in the podcast, but I did want to give a shout-out to everyone's new favorite running back, um, T.C. Caffey. Uh, 49-yard rush, uh, just a ridiculous run. He ran into a pile and then all of a sudden just burst out of it all the way down the sideline, broke another two tackles and route for a long touchdown. Uh, Walk-on running back T.C. Caffey. So shout-out to him. A really impressive effort on that long touchdown run. Um, don't really know where it came from. Haven't even really heard his name before ever, but you know, an impressive run from Ohio State's now fourth running back, I guess. And I think he's from, he's, yeah, he's from Hubbard, Ohio. I don't know how highly recruited he was. Somebody in our Slack channel actually said that Toledo was in on him, funny enough. So it's just awesome when you see something like that. And it's it's even more fun and more enjoyable. It's not like this whole broke it broke up uh, 
you know, broke out and the Red Seas parted or anything like that. That was a physical run, and he put some defenders in the dirt. So that was really cool for him. Uh, I thought that Chip Traina might be the fourth guy. He returned a kick. Maybe it's TC Caffey now. And as a walk-on who just had his black stripe removed, sounds like a guy who has worked his tail off. And now you've got both he and Xavier Johnson kind of balling out in the first three games, which is really cool for the program, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Cool for the program and cool for those guys as well, seeing their their hard work pay off. Um, but yeah, I think as far as offense goes, that's that's more or less the story until we get to some of the, the later guys. Um, you know, just overall, 9 for 9 in the red zone scoring, which is what you love to see. Um, 4 out of 5, you know. Uh, you know, touchdowns to rushes like they were they were great in the red zone. Uh, third down, also 11 of 13. So just a really efficient day for Ohio State's offense as a whole. Flipping over to the defensive side of things, obviously, you know, a season high allowed in points with 21. Um, I don't really know if that tells the whole story. Most of, you know, Toledo's plays were on big chunk plays, but there were some concerning aspects of, of Ohio State's defense, but I think for the most part, as we've seen for the first couple weeks, um, I thought once again the front seven was, you know, really good. There was, you know, they didn't allow a ton uh, to Toledo on the ground, which is what Ohio State's been so good at to start the year. That run defense has been excellent. Um, aver- allowed only an average of 3.8 yards per per rush, and a lot of that was to uh, quarterback Daquan Finn on a lot of scramble plays, and he really made some good plays with his legs. I was actually really impressed with some of the stuff Daquan Finn was able to do, and I'm not, you know, I don't want to knock yeah. him or anything, but I do think that, you know, Ohio State could have played him better, but at the same time, I think that he was really impressive himself, and he made some plays that, you know, a lot of other guys probably wouldn't have made in his similar situation. There were, you know, a lot of times Ohio State was in the backfield, and he made something out of nothing, you know, made some big gains out of plays that should have been tackles for loss. But, you know, at the end of the day, I still think Ohio State's defense played, um, you know, pretty well. They finished the game with nine tackles for loss. Um, they had three QB hurries as well, um, three sacks in the game. And as, as we were looking for coming into this week, they had their first two uh, first two turnovers they forced of the season. Uh, Ronnie Hickman coming away with the team's first interception of the year. Um, and then the team being credited with a sack fumble, I believe it was Javante Jean-Baptiste. Um, but yeah, so two, two takeaways for Ohio State's defense. I think overall you have to be, you know, relatively happy with the performance, but I do think, you know, we're going to talk about it, but I think if we're going to, you know, point out an issue here of a point of contention, um, it's going to be the play of the cornerbacks. Ohio State was without, uh, two of its starting players in the secondary in this game. Josh Proctor and Tanner McAllister did not play. Uh, Mike Hall also did not play up front. Um, all three of those guys after the game, Ryan Day said, will be available next week. They were just all held out for precautionary reasons, but all in all, I do think still the play of the cornerbacks was a bit concerning. We saw Denzel Burke struggle again. Um, Cam Brown struggled in the first half and then didn't play in the second half with an apparent you know, minor injury. Um, J.K. Johnson looked okay and, and as his replacement, but yeah, I, th- I think other than the cornerbacks, um, not a ton to complain about. I think the defensive line, once again, looked really good. I thought the linebackers looked good. Um, tackling in space was good. Only one penalty in this game for five yards on either side of the ball, so that's also another thing we wanted to see from Ohio State, but I think, you know, 21 points to Toledo is is, is a lot in, in some people's eyes, but I don't think it was, you know, a terrible defensive effort. I still think this team is learning every week as they go. I think the defense is continuing to improve, um, and I don't think there's a ton of, of super concerning things, but I am worried a little bit about the cornerback play. And I think you want to have a, a bigger cornerback conversation a little bit later, so I'll save my takes there beyond agreeing with the fact that, yeah, they did not look great. And I'm with you. I think for the most part, the defense looked good. They really looked good with the exception of three plays. When you think about the way in which Toledo scored, um, you know, Cam Brown got torched on a kind of a a deep slant, it looked like, or a deep post. 
Denzel Burke got boxed out for a jump ball. And then Daquan Finn's first touchdown, the first touchdown for Toledo in the game, they vacated an entire side of the field. So other than that, and I, I get, I understand you don't get to take the points off the board, but other than that, they looked pretty fundamentally sound. I think the tackling was good. They just had difficulty corralling Daquan Finn, like you said, and credit to him. He was squirrely back there, man. Like I think, People were talking about him like he was Michael Vick or something, but he's a really, really good athlete. And I, we knew that maybe going into the game if you'd looked at their stats and watched some Toledo tape, but he's a good football player. And it, it seemed to be by design, though, that they were like, we're going to be sort of all or nothing. Jim Knowles was like, we're going to put pressure on Daquan Finn. If he breaks contain, we might give up some yards. But I was a little bit surprised that they didn't sit back more and say, hey, you've got to throw the ball on us. But again, that could be just the way that he wants to do things moving forward. It could be the confidence or lack thereof he has in the secondary, especially with the two safeties being out. It wasn't just the fact that the corners have struggled here and there. They were missing two experienced safeties. So maybe this was always the game plan those guys up front over pursued a couple of times, but similar to the first couple of games, they were still disruptive. They were still getting back there. I think Jack Sawyer got credited with a sack as well. Super disruptive. I almost feel bad for JT Tui Malau at this point because he has essentially no stats to register, but he's been a force, I think, through three games. I didn't see much of him in the second half last night. But I don't know if that was, again, another precautionary thing, just wanting to get other people in the game. But the run defense has been stout. That's going to be tested even more so next week, right, with Braylon Allen and Wisconsin coming to town. But they've looked really good up there. I think the linebackers are where they need to be when they need to be there. Tommy Eichenberg, I would assume, continues to lead the team in tackles, um, not a whole lot from Steel Chambers last night, but Cody Simon stepped in, had four tackles, didn't look too bad. So I'm with you. I think that front seven looks really good. I'd like to see the stack, some sack numbers, and maybe that's just because teams are – Arkansas State made a real effort to get the hands out of their ball quick – or the ball out of their hands quickly. And then with Notre Dame and Toledo, you've got two mobile quarterbacks, so it's a little bit different. I think the sacks will come for this Ohio State defensive line, especially from the ends. Even Zach Harrison in his snaps, he's looked pretty good. So not too worried about that. But Gene, I think we have to have the secondary conversation. I mean, it's not just cornerbacks. It's the health of the entire unit. I don't think that in three games we've not figured out who the real starters are going to be. What are your thoughts with that secondary? And if you want to start with the corners, knock yourself out. Yeah, I do. I do want to shout out a couple of guys on on defense that that played well. You know, stick with the positives to start before we get into the corners. Um, you know, Lathan Ransom finished this game as Ohio State's leading tackler with six. He has been you know, one of my favorite players on this defense to begin the year. It seems like he is their most one of their most sure tacklers, especially in the secondary. Seems to make every tackle in space. I've really liked what I've seen from him, especially coming off that leg injury he suffered in the Rose Bowl. You know, this is a guy coming off that significant injury, and he's been one of Ohio State's best defensive players. He once again looked really good. 
You know, you mentioned guys like Jack Sawyer and Jay Tuimaloa. Still not putting up a ton of stats on the stat sheet. You know, Sawyer did have a sack and two tackles for loss in this game, but both of those guys continue to be very disruptive in that passing game. So I like what I'm seeing from them. Tommy Eichenberg, another good game from him. Um, like you said, Steel Chambers didn't didn't do a ton in this game, but he did have a play early on that that stood out to me where he made a play in the backfield on a run that he read perfectly. Um, so you like seeing that from their linebackers, kind of oh, reading, yeah. reacting, making making quick stops like that. I thought overall, you know, defensive line without Mike Hall, um, Tyler Williams stepped up and looked good. A lot of the guys in the interior looked really good. The, you know, we've talked about the run defense continues to be excellent. But yeah, you know, we have to, the 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 cornerback position is definitely a point of contention right now for this Ohio State defense. And I think a lot of that stems from Denzel Burke kind of not being the guy that he was last year for this Ohio State defense. He has, you know, through three games now, kind of just looked lost out there. You know, he had a couple of really bad plays last night. There was the, especially the long pass play on Finn Scramble. Where he just kind of chucked it downfield. Ball was in the air forever. And Burke just kind of played behind the receiver, let him catch it, and then didn't tackle him and let him go in for the touchdown. Just a terrible misplay there. He's been getting beat off the line. He did have one, you know, nice breakup on a on a like a slant route over the middle. But other than that, he has really struggled this year. And I'm not quite sure what it is. He just kind of, maybe, <clears throat> maybe he just doesn't quite understand the Knowles defense yet. Maybe it's taken him a little bit longer to, to adjust to it, but he's really been struggling out there. Um, we saw Cam Brown get burnt early in the game on on Toledo's first touchdown. He might be dealing with some kind of injury, so maybe that's 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 what led to that because we didn't see him at all um, You know, from really the mid-second quarter on. Um, J.K. Johnson, as I said before, kind of came in, filled in for him. Um, he was okay. You know, I didn't notice anything anything really good or bad from him. He did have a play late in the game uh, where he got burnt for what would have been a touchdown if the if Finn didn't overthrow the ball a bit. But, yeah, we haven't really seen a guy step up in that room. We know it's thin. We still haven't seen Jordan Hancock yet this season. Uh, so, they're you know, they don't have already a ton of scholarship guys in that room, and they're missing some of the guys that, that would be out there. But, yeah, I think it's definitely – um, a bit concerning, you know, they're not going to see a ton of, of high-powered passing offenses in the Big Ten, but this is an area that, you know, if we're looking for this rebuilt defense on Ohio State to be, you know, excellent under Jim Knowles, I think we could say the run defense so far has been has been just that, um, but the pass defense has left a bit to desire, and most of that is because of the play of the corners. I think the safeties have been fine, you know, especially in this game where you're missing two of your starters. I've liked what I've seen from Cam Martinez um, in his relief role in the first couple of games, and especially in this game as a starter. But I think the corners um, are an issue right now, and I don't really know what the issue is or what the problem is, but I, these guys are going to need to start to figure things out soon because right? there's not many options behind them, and it's just you know that that is the main area of weakness right now for this Ohio State defense. It's a big concern, and I kind of want to start by saying that, in my opinion, cornerback is the most difficult position to play in all of football. You are going up against a guy. He knows where he's going. You do not. Uh, I'd put it up there with quarterback, but cornerback is an incredibly difficult position to play. So I'll start out with that. But yeah, it's not been great through three games. You know, if you look at Denzel Burke specifically in each game, it's been something against Notre Dame. He gave up the big long pass. Now, look, the Notre Dame was receiver was on his back and it was sort of a juggling catch. Excuse me. But Burke still had his back to the quarterback, didn't really know what was going on. He threw his heart, his hands up, didn't make the play. It is what it is. Against Arkansas State, he had the penalties. Flemings, the small wide receiver, uh, kind of burnt him on one play. And then last night, you know, the, the box out kind of play is what it is. It was poor positioning. 
He seemingly could have made a play on the ball, couldn't get around the guy. I don't really know what happened there. Maybe he saw it late because it was a scramble drill. But I looked at a couple other plays, and the long touchdown that Finn threw in the first half where Cam Brown got beat, if you watch that play closely, right before he's about to release the ball, Denzel Burke is in front of Finn and then turns his back to him and starts running down the field with his arms up like a fire drill. Like, I don't even know. I I don't know where he's going. I don't know what he's doing. I don't think that he did at the time either. Just a really bad looking play. Although I couldn't see everything behind him. But yeah, he turned his back to Finn and he's just kind of like running down the field like the balloon character you see outside of car dealerships, like arms just sort of waving. So I would encourage you guys to watch that again. But the, uh, the other one too, Ronnie Hickman, when he made his pick, he was in the right place and that was a good play by him. But if you watch Denzel Burke, he was two steps behind that wide receiver. And if Ronnie Hickman wasn't there, that was a house call. And maybe Burke knew that Hickman was there. Maybe he saw it. And so I'm just, maybe I'm seeing more than meets the eye there, I guess. But um, he was toast on that play. That would have been a slant that went for six. So he just really seems lost out there. And I don't know if it's because he's being asked to, play on an island all the time. I am admittedly not smart enough to give you all the differences between last year's defense and this year's. Uh, I don't know if he's being coached a little bit differently. It might just be a focus thing. Um, He didn't look bad, bad against Notre Dame. It was the one catch and he probably, you know, wasn't in bed on Friday night thinking I really got to do something against these Arkansas state and Toledo wide receivers, you know? So maybe it's just been a lack of focus, but he looks really lost out there. And as far as Cam Brown goes, you don't know if he was nursing something. I mean, he was in quicksand on that long touchdown. He just got torched by, uh, uh, I forget the guy's name for Toledo, but they need a spark there. And maybe that is Jordan Hancock, or maybe it's just a step up in competition. It's this internal spark and they play a little bit better, but that is the primary concern. I think for both when it comes to both sides of the ball for Ohio State right now, because they are going to need their corners to step up in a game. It might not be next week, and we haven't talked about Michigan State. Why would we? But they lost. They've got a good passing attack. Jaden Reed was out for them. The team up north has looked decent. Hell, even Penn State looked like they knew what they were doing on offense. So Ohio State's going to play some teams where they need all 11 guys to play well, and we just haven't seen that yet. Yeah, I do think you're onto something with you know the the wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube men uh, as as an entire defense. Um, I think putting eleven of those out there would be fun. Uh, it would they would struggle and run, <laughs> run run defense would be tough, but I think their pass defense it would be tough to get it over those guys. So I, I would like to see what that would look like out there. Surely Jim Knowles Great has thought of this. Great wingspan though. I mean, yeah, they no, could get excellent. off blocks. Excellent height, excellent wingspan. You know, Jim Knowles has definitely thought of this. He's 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 going to put it out there against Wisconsin. We'll surely see that. But yeah, nonetheless, corners. Um, definitely a bit of an issue right now. I would be interested to see, you know, if they try some different guys out at that position. You know, I, I know they're they're thin there, um, other than the the four guys we talked about, and then maybe like a Jair Brown or, or the other guys in that room. But you know, you have guys 
on this roster who are a bit more versatile, maybe a guy like Lathan Ransom or even a Cam Martinez, guys who have both, you know, previously played a bit of corner. Interested to see if those guys get any rotation in at that spot if Ohio State does continue to struggle with the stars they have. You know, like we said, we don't really know uh, what was up with Cam Brown, if he, if his injury is all that serious, but clearly he was not running at 100% on that first play. He got burned by a guy that, that was not particularly fast, and Cam Brown is a guy we know that is one of the fastest guys on the team when healthy, so that's not something we're used to seeing there. Um but nonetheless, yeah, I think it's I think it's an issue to watch moving forward. I think they're obviously you know Ohio State's aware of it. Um, maybe it is a focus thing, like you said. Maybe they're just not getting up for these lesser opponents. We've seen what Denzel Burke is capable of um, at at his best. You know, he was so good for Ohio State last year that he's got it in him. It's not he's not going to just lose it out of nowhere. So hopefully he can turn it around. Hopefully the rest of those guys get healthy and they they'd kind of just figure it out back there. But I think overall, you know, um, I, I've that's liked the thing I've seen. about being a corner too, Gene is. If you've proven it, I think you can find it again. And he proved it for 12, 13, 14 games last year. So we know he's got it in him. He just need to fit, he needs to get himself sort of figured out. Yeah, and I think part of this too is that this is kind of um, what comes with the territory with a Jim Knowles defense where you are going to let up some of these big plays because you're playing aggressive up front. You know, like we've talked about, these guys are getting left on an island out there. And when that's the case, you are going to, you know, there's just some plays where you're not going to make the play and you are going to let up some big plays through the air. But I think that, you know, Ohio State is willing to trade, you know, two or three big plays in a game allowed for an overall good defense because you're playing so aggressive up front. You're not allowing the quarterback to, you know, hit a lot of those deep throws. He doesn't have the time to do it. You're sending these exotic blitzes, these one-on-ones on the outside. So, I think this is something that just kind of comes with this the territory of a Jim Knowles defense, so I think we do have to take that into account as well. But, yeah, I think if there's, you know, I, I'm pretty happy with how the defense has played so far. I think it's obviously a huge step up from what yeah. we saw really the last two years. Uh, but we do need to see probably, you know, increased play from the cornerback position. I think overall that's probably the biggest area Ohio State has to work on because, we like we talked about, you know, the offense was a well-oiled machine on Saturday. You know, the def- the front seven on defense looked really good. Um, special teams was once again excellent. You know, Jesse Mirko came out and kicked one punt and downed it on the two. Um, so not really a ton of other things to work on. You know, they talk, they they really cleaned up the penalties. Like I said, only one for five yards in this game, so that's nice after you know having a bunch in their first two games. Um, but yeah, other than that, I think that you know Ohio State's definitely moving in the right direction. There's obviously a big step up in play coming uh, with Wisconsin coming to town next week, but. You know, if Ohio State could really figure out the corners, I think that this team um, is in really good shape moving forward and is probably one of the best in the country, if not the best in the country, when they're they're playing at their highest potential. And if those corners can get in step with the rest of the defense, then this is a dangerous football team. Uh, yeah, I mean, I like the plan. I like the players. I like what we've seen from most of those guys. And if you look at it like a, like a bell curve or something, I know we're not grading them, but that, that middle 80%, so 80% of the plays, I guess, they look really good. And it's just a matter of limiting these big plays, limiting the penalties that we saw in the first couple of weeks. But I'm with you. I, I think that they're going to be tested in a bunch of different ways. And that starts next week. But now they've seen at least the mobile quarterbacks. I think they can learn from that. They've not seen a runner like Braylon Allen. Most of the country hasn't. So that'll be something different. But when your corners are being beat occasionally and when you're expecting a step up from them, but then you get into big 10 play that can sort of help. I think because if they play a traditional air quotes, big 10 team like Wisconsin, it's going to be a lot of running the ball. It's going to be three, five, seven step drops. Maybe you get up, get after the quarterback a little bit more. So 
it'll help them, I think, get straightened out or evened out. But they still do have those issues that they're going to have to take care of. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. I think that for the most part, these guys look really good. They look aggressive. They're flying after the ball, which I know is something that you wanted to hit on at least towards the end of some of the guys that we saw do that a little bit later. Yeah, definitely. Before we get out of here, I'd like to talk about some of the guys we saw in relief. I think we actually got to see a, a healthy amount of Ohio State's backups in this game and even the backups of the backups as this game got even more and more out of hand late into the third and fourth quarter. Um, one of my biggest takeaways, and I said it you know, half-jokingly but also half-not, um, from what I saw from the backups is that you know, Sonny Styles should get at least a chance to run with the ones. He, you know, this is a kid, you know, he's only like 17. He hasn't really played any meaningful snaps at Ohio State yet, but he just looked, and his few plays he played yesterday, he looked so good. He looked like he knew exactly what he was doing. He was hitting hard. He was making all the right plays. I loved seeing him out there. You know, same goes for Kai Stokes. Kai Stokes made a really nice tackle at the line of scrimmage. Um, So those two guys, both freshmen, both freshman defensive backs, um, both of them more safeties and corners, so I don't think we're going to see them in the mix at cornerback. But I would love to see Sonny Styles at least get some run with the ones here and there, maybe in in more blowouts for Ohio State, or at least maybe, you know, in the second quarter, maybe you're up 14 or so, you know, you're you're playing with a little bit of house money, get him just some reps of the ones out there. I know that Ohio State's safeties overall have played really well, so there isn't, you know, a need right now like there was maybe last year at safety for a guy like Sonny Styles, but this is a kid who I am I have been I'm very impressed with just his limited performance last night. I think he's going to be a really good player for Ohio State moving forward. And I would love to see more of him and Stokes with the ones, even you know, it's probably not likely, but I would love to see it. And we talked about it a little bit before the podcast. I say this with all due respect and you know, like lovingly so sometimes you're too dumb to know better. And so so let's call it ignorance. Let's be a little bit nicer about it. He just hey, there's the football. I'm going to go run towards it. I'm going to try and hit somebody. That seems like in a very small sample size, what Sonny Styles' mentality is. Same thing goes for Kai Stokes. Now we saw him make some plays in the spring game, but when you're a young safety and you're not being asked to do much more, I I feel like it kind of helps those guys out because they're like, hey, I know one thing and it's go get that football right now. And they both did that. Sonny Styles does not look like a 17-year-old football player. He is awfully impressive. So I'm with you. I think I'd like to see him out there as well. But sort of bringing both of those guys up and comparing it to you know, a guy we just talked about, I wonder if that's also some of the Denzel Burke issue right now is overthinking it. And you know, last year he played lights out as a true freshman corner. And if his mentality is, hey, I just have to stay with this guy in front of me, Maybe that helped him, whereas now he's thinking about this, that, and the other. So I don't have a, a much like a, an extended talking point on that. But bringing those two safeties up and talking about how well they played, even in a small sample size, it made me think about a guy like Burke or even a Cam Brown. Maybe they're just thinking too much right now, and they need to develop a similar mentality to, the, to that of their younger teammates. Yeah, I think the overall problem for Ohio State's defense the last couple of years is that all day the coaching staff had the players thinking too much, and it seemed like last year where almost every other position was doing that, Denzel Burke wasn't thinking too much, and like you said, he was just, you know, see ball, get ball, and that's what made him so good, and maybe now, you know, with all the new stuff that Jim Knowles has implemented, he's thinking about it too much, maybe that is a lot of the issue, but yeah, like you said, these guys, you know, coming in, you know, not not a, not a ton on their minds, not a ton being drilled in, they're, they're the, this is their first year on campus, so they're, they're more in see ball, get ball mode, maybe that's why they look so explosive and maybe you know in extended time they, that would lead to some you know, big plays given up when they miss but I, I really like that I saw from those young guys 
Um, in the front seven, you know, we saw a little bit more of Caden Curry. He looked good again, had a pair of tackles. Um, yep. We saw Kenyatta Jackson, which I think was for the first time. Uh, he was credited with a tackle for loss, so good to see some of the young defensive linemen get in there. Um, didn't really see much from from young linebackers, like you said before. We saw more of Cody Simon, but he's not really a, a young guy, and he's a guy who's played um, you know rotationally so far, but he looked decent in this game. Um, Jaden McKenzie was a guy who stood out to me a little bit as a defensive tackle. He was credited with a, a tackle for loss in this game. He was pretty disruptive up front, you know, especially in the, in the latter half of this game, so I liked what I saw from him as well. It gives you know, more depth from that defensive tackle room. And I think overall on defense, that, that's more or less it. I do want to see more. I don't know why we haven't seen him yet, but I'd like to see more Chip train him at linebacker. I don't think we've really seen him at all. I was going to ask you about that. Really, we haven't seen anything beyond three linebackers. Are you surprised by that? Train him, you know, being one of those guys? Yeah, I am surprised. But we've seen train him a lot on special teams. I mean, he's now Ohio State's kick returner, I believe. He only had, you know, one or two opportunities the other day. But um, clearly a very athletic guy. He's a guy who was a former running back. Um, much like a Steel Chambers, but you know this is a guy who played linebacker in high school. He knows the position pretty well. I'm surprised we haven't seen, it, especially in garbage time, more of Trey and him, especially because they talked about him so much in you know in practice about how how good he was playing there, calling him Superman out there and whatnot. But yeah, I'd love to see him get get more burn out there. Maybe we will see you know more of him potentially this week as Ohio State maybe goes to a. You know, some more three linebacker sets against a run heavy team like a Wisconsin. Um, but, you know, I, I'm interested to see him out there. I would like to see, you know, yeah, you really talked about, we've really only seen the three linebackers with, with Eichenberg, Chambers, and, uh, and who am I, what am I forgetting here? Cody Simon. Simon. Uh, yeah. Yep. Uh, but yeah, it's really only been those three guys, even in garbage time. You know, they've, they've rotated in like, you know, Pali, Neoteote a little bit and, and guys of that nature, but we haven't seen really any of the young guys or, or the new guy like, like a Chip Traynham. So, and just see that moving forward. But yeah, I think defensively, those are, you know, the, the main guys that, that we saw out there. Um, offensively, you know, we touched on him a little bit before we brought his name up. Uh, Jaden Ballard, this is another guy who who we ta- we heard about a bunch through spring camp and all that stuff. He looked really good um, in relief. Four catches, 113 yards, and a touchdown. He had the long 72 yards t- touchdown on a pass from Kyle McCord. Looked good out there. Made some nice catches in the intermediate. Obviously had that good long touchdown. Looked fast. Um, this is a guy, you know, like I said, we heard a lot about. And maybe this is another guy who works his way into that wide receiver mix. Because I really liked what I saw from Ballard. And he's a guy who, Hartline especially, has talked up as being far ahead of schedule. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a little bit more touches here and there. Especially as guys continue to get spelled. You know, keep some guys fresh. You know, and more of these blowouts as well. But even not in blowouts, I'm interested to see if we see more of Ballard. Because it seems like he's another very valuable piece of that receiver core. I like him a lot, and I'm looking at the stat sheet. I almost went cross-eyed looking at Dallin Hayden and Jaden Ballard. Uh, kind of a, uh, a a language trick or whatever on you there. Hayden, but, um, Hayden and Jaden? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, as far as Jaden Ballard goes, I talked about it in our Slack group last night, too. He's got sprinter speed. He is lightning quick, super fast, long speed, so... And he wears number nine, right, which I think Devin Smith wore for a time. I see him maybe eventually playing that sort of role. He is a deep threat sort of guy. Or if you get the ball in his hands in space, he can burn somebody. So I liked – yeah, I liked seeing that too because you look at all the Ohio State wide receivers and, you know, look, at the end of the day, they all bring something – a bunch of impressive things – to the game, to the field. But Jaden Ballard, eye test-wise, might be the fastest straight-line, long-speed kind of guy, and he probably has more of that in his game, I think, than the others. I think the knock against JSN, if there is one, not the fastest guy in the world, right? Marvin Harrison, more of a physical dynamo 
uh, Emeka Ibuka is a fast guy, but I don't know if that's what he's known for. He's more well-rounded. So if you're just looking for a home run threat when you need to dial something up or put somebody different in the game, maybe Ballard becomes that guy because he definitely passed the eye test last night when he was streaking down the sideline. Yeah, and while we're kind of wrapping things up here and talking back on the offense, I wanted to bring something up that I, I forgot to talk about when we were talking about the starters. Um, another kind of surprising area that we haven't seen so far, uh, C.J. Stroud ran the ball last night twice. Um, he had a, a scramble play where, you know, there was nobody open. He, he took what was in front of him, got like six, five or six yards on a running play. And then he also had a, a like an option play where he kept it and ran the football. So something we haven't seen from Stroud yet so far, you know, in his Ohio State career, we saw when he was, you know, in as a backup in, in his first, you know, first touch as an Ohio State player, but not since he's been the first, the, you know, the starter. Um, interesting. I'm on, I'm going to be interested to see if they continue to do that, you know, later in the season when they need it against the good teams. I'm kind of surprised they showed it at all against a team like Toledo. I, I would think they'd want to lull people into a false sense of security that he wasn't going to do that and then maybe break it out when you play an, a tougher opponent. But nonetheless, something we haven't seen from Stroud willing to use his legs. We know he's very capable of doing it. He just doesn't want to. And, you know, most of the time in his defense, he doesn't have to. Somebody always is usually open out there for him to find something. But good to see him willing to run when he has to. Two things in response to that. I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, number one, I'm glad that his legs work. Number two, I don't need to see it again because if I'm not mistaken, he took a hit on both of those. I'd like to oh, see yeah, him no, get he, down. He definitely took some hits. So it wasn't what I wanted to see, but at the same time, I was like, okay, interesting. Yeah. Now I, we know that he has that in his game. You alluded to, uh, you know, his first ever touchdown, first ever appearance for Ohio State. He had the long touchdown run and he is a good athlete. He chooses to hold on to the ball as long as he can and look for an open wide receiver. So it was good to see it, but I want it to be one of those break glass in case of emergency sort of deals or a total element of surprise. Maybe they just need to get those muscles stretched out before Big Ten play. But yeah, I mean, it was good to see him do that, that he was willing to do it, even that he was willing to take a hit. I just don't want to see any more of it until if or when they need it. Yeah, if he's going to do that, he definitely has to work on his uh, like give up slide that, so he doesn't take a hit. Um, but nonetheless, good to see. Um, I think I think that's more or less it, Josh. Do you have anything else before we get out of here? We'll obviously have our uh, our Wisconsin preview for everybody later in the week. But anything else from this Toledo game before we wrap up? Not a whole lot, Gene. Uh, you'll take a seventy-seven to twenty-one victory every day of the week, and like you know. Like a, a respected coach says, uh, nothing. The, the best thing about being three and zero, right? So yeah, absolutely. And I, I believe this was the the most points Ohio State has scored under Ryan Day as the uh, full time head coach. They scored seventy seven um, against Oregon State when he was the interim, but this is the most seventy seven most points Ohio State has scored under Ryan Day as the full time head coach. Uh, obviously, you know a lot to like on the offensive side of the ball. Defense is still coming around. Still, you know, even with its struggles, much better than last year. I think a lot of positives to take away from this. Ohio State finishes its non-conference schedule 3-0, and they now have Wisconsin coming to town next week. Like I said, we will have later in the week for you guys a preview of that Wisconsin game. Be sure to follow all of our written content over at LandGrantHolyLand.com for post-game stuff on Toledo, as well as pre-game stuff on Wisconsin. Uh, be sure to like, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff all your podcasts ask you to do. And for Josh Julie, I am Gene Ross, and as always, go Bucks.